Our Bible reading is taken from Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24, on page 811 of the Church Bible. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where neither thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks for joining us on week two of our series. Um, If you remember last week, if you are not here, we started off a series uh, that's quite interesting, uh, and we're going to look particularly uh, at the book of Matthew. Uh, We're going to look at the person of Jesus, and here's what we said last week. Uh, We said that Jesus is by far the most influential figure um, in history. He was a religious guy, uh, came into our world, he walked uh, the streets of Palestine, uh, and we were kind of thinking, um, if this Jesus is indeed real, uh, what would happen if he came to us in 2020 right here uh, in Midland? Uh, and what we saw last week is that he would go out hanging out around uh, with people who you and I wouldn't um, think that he would hang around. Uh, and he would hang around with them because he wanted to call people to change their ways Uh, and to follow him as master. So that's what we learned last week. Uh, Jesus is out there hanging out with uh, the so-called sinners, the so-called outcasts of society, uh, because he wants to bring them uh, into his family. He wants to bring them into his kingdom. He wants to be the master of their lives. Uh, And so we continue week two. If you have um, that orange leaflet, you see that uh, tonight we're talking about uh, hustle. Um, so if, there, if Jesus is calling us to, um, to uh, put him as master, one of the things that probably compete with um, him as master is our hustle. Um, I'm going to pray for that. We're going to explore that in our culture. Uh, I want to stay true to the text also um, to present to you uh, a Jesus. And I hope that as you listen to this Jesus, uh, you may consider what he means for you and that you would want to repent uh, and be baptized uh, and become a follower of Jesus. Let's bow our heads and pray that God would help us. Uh, Father, thank you so much. Uh, thank you that you revealed to us um, your word. Uh, thank you for your son, Jesus, uh, who is the ultimate revelation of who you are. So if we ever need to know you, uh, we would look at Jesus. And tonight I pray that you'd help us as we do that. Uh, I pray that you would put your spirit into these words, that you'd bring them to life, uh, that they would touch our hearts, uh, and that we would sit here, Lord, reflecting that if indeed you are Lord, um, uh, that something radical has to change in our lives. Uh, So do help us, uh, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So the year is 1981. Um, I know it's kind of hard for us to... to, um, Think back to 1981 because most of us were not uh, were not there. Um, so South Africa, 1981, tensions are building. Um, the future is uncertain. My mother is 13 years old at that time. Um, 
Brenda Fuzzy was not even there yet, for those of you who don't who know Brenda Fuzzy. Uh, the music that was pumping in 1981, guess what, what it was? It was Bob Marley. Uh, it was uh, Johnny Clegg was just uh, making his way into the music world. Mahota, like Queens were the, um, the, the, the hot Queens uh, back then. Ama Piano was not there uh, uh, um, as, as a genre, uh, nor was it even uh, thought of. Coronavirus was not there. Um, it, this is 1981. 39 years ago, this building where we are, there was just nothing. Just pure bush uh, and nothing. Uh, so 39 years ago, Midrand was born. Um, and today we do this sign. How many of you know what this sign means? Halfway house. Uh, if, you, if you don't know what this sign means, it means you don't use uh, taxis. This is halfway house. Um, uh, and that uh, taxi would take you to halfway house. And halfway house basically was a place where um, the guys would stop uh, from if they wanted to go to Pretoria. It was, it was halfway to Pretoria and halfway to, um, uh, to Joburg. Now, who would have known that um, such a place with bushes and nothing um, just a halfway stop to uh, Pretoria or Joburg would be uh, one of the best things um, uh, ever to, to happen to SA. Do you believe that Midrand is the best thing ever? It is. Um, who would have thought of that uh, back in the day that you and I uh, would be sitting here gathered in this place called uh, Midrand? Um, that essay uh, says that from 2011 to 2016, uh, close to a million people moved to Gauteng province, um, and my guess is many of those came to Midland because every week a, 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 a thing is being built, uh, a, an apartment block uh, to house many people uh, coming into, uh, into this, um, this beautiful uh, place. We are home to the biggest single-face built mall, the Mall of Africa. We have over 20 shopping centers right here in Midland. Uh, this is the hub of uh, economic activity, 25 kilometers uh, north or south, uh, you can uh, probably go to some of the most influential places uh, right here in Joburg. PwC is here. NEPAD offices are here. Um, the Pan-African Parliament is here. It is happening in Midland. It is happening. Christchurch Midland. Who said that? Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, things are happening here. Um, I wanted to start my sermon like those preachers who hype you up and say, touch your neighbor and say, Corona shall not harm you. <laughs> <laughs> um, come back. Um, <laughs> we need uh, help. Um, so anyway, um, Midrando is not a place that you would want to be around 5 o'clock, uh, especially on a load shedding day, isn't it? Uh, because it's packed with traffic. It is, um, it is beating with uh, just activity. And all of us are here or come here to hustle. And um, that's what we are, uh, we are here for, at least. Um, as we leave our places and different places and uh, come here into this melting pot. Um, I was meeting with a guy this week who said, Midrand probably represents uh, what South Africa should be in terms of its diversity, culturally, racially, um, and even in the social um, economic differences. Uh, so right here in Midrand, uh, we have it here. As I said last week, this is the place where you come uh, to uh, get a job, to hustle, put bread on the table, drive a GTI, and retire at midstream um, estate. So that's Midrand, right? 
Uh, and so we said last week, Jesus comes into Midrand and we hang around with Jesus. Where are we hanging around with Jesus? Were you paying attention last week? Not News Cafe, Live Grand Cafe, um, with all the rich people and the pretentious ones. Uh, and Jesus is going to talk to us about our hustle, whether it's your side hustle, your main hustle, your multiple streams of income. He has something to say um, to that. And in our passage uh, this evening, uh, Jesus concludes by saying, you cannot have two masters. Uh, he says one of the hardest things uh, that I think we, uh, we find um, uh, hard to swallow um, as a culture. Verse 24, please have a look with me there. I hope you have your Bible open. If you have your Bible open, say amen. amen. Uh, verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters at a time for um, two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Um, I follow the logic there. Um, okay, Jesus, uh, no one can serve two masters. Obviously, if you, um, he uses here yeah, slave language. Uh, if you um, belong to a master, you'd be uh, devoted to that master. Uh, some uh, would do jobs for this master and that master. Um, and Jesus says, um, you cannot... Uh, devote your full attention to uh, both of those. Um, but what I find striking here is how he ends off uh, verse 24. Notice what he says there in verse 24. You cannot serve God and Satan. Is that what he says? No, he says something mind-blowing, something that you and I would never put side to side, um, that you cannot serve God and money. Who would have ever thought uh, that those things I would be uh, put side to side. And the way the money, as Jesus was speaking, he was speaking Aramaic, uh, and it's the word mammon. Uh, and the word mammon simply means possessions. Uh, and there's nothing intrinsically, uh, English word, um, there's nothing intrinsically uh, evil about our possession um, or the stuff that we own, uh, but Jesus is after um, us saving it. You cannot save uh, both God, uh, and I don't think money is a helpful term here, but our possessions, uh, the stuff that our money buys, uh, the stuff that you and I hold on to. I just like how my old uh, principal says it. He puts it like this in his book called The King of God's Kingdom. He says that Jesus saw money and possessions competing for people's attention and allegiance to the kingdom. Uh, so as Jesus steps in and says, uh, I'm calling you uh, to follow me as master, the one thing that is going to stand against that, the one thing that's going to compete is our possessions. Uh, it's going to compete uh, for our hearts. And there can only be one winner according to this uh, verse 24. Only one can uh, determine the pattern of your life. Only one can call um, the shots. Uh, and obviously Jesus is calling us this evening as he's hanging around uh, with us drinking, um, he'll be drinking mango juice, I think. Um, he's pleading with us um, that we should place him as king uh, and as Lord. Now, I wonder what goes on in your mind as you think about that. Jesus calling the shots um, over my life. Um, I think to many of us uh, who have come um, to church, we have this guilt when it comes to money. When we think about Jesus being king, over our lives. There's this sense of guilt attached to, um, to it. 
Uh, and I know this because I'm also uh, sometimes feel that guilt. Uh, sometimes you come and you're wearing new uh, new shoes, and someone says, "Wow, those are new shoes!" And you're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, my mother bought them for me," um, or something along those lines. "Wow, that's a new car!" Yeah, we thank God for uh, for His blessings. Uh, my parents actually paid for it, um, and I think it's this. There's just this awkwardness, um, and I think sometimes as ministers, I must say, uh, we sometimes make people feel guilty uh, that they have stuff, right? There's nothing wrong with stuff, um, but we're going to see what Jesus says um, about those things. Uh, so a sense of guilt sometimes um, clouds us when you talk about Jesus being Lord over our finances. Um, some people grew up in churches where it was just powerful. The preacher was out there saying, this year is your year. You are going to be blessed this year. If Jesus is Lord over your finances, nothing will ever go wrong. You will get a promotion. Amen. Um, well, you come to, to this Jesus, and sometimes you baptize um, your hustle by Christianizing it. Um, I'm out here to hustle for the kingdom. Uh, while in actual, fact, in actual fact, you're actually out there uh, to make uh, your living. You're actually out there worshiping Jesus for the stuff that he can give you, uh, not uh, for, uh, for the sake of coming him as Lord and King. So that's some of us this evening. Some of us maybe are skeptical about the Christian faith, and you're like, why are we even talking about hustling and money at church? Um, I've been to churches. Churches abuse this. Um, I don't want to hear this. Um, I hope that you'll give uh, an ear to what Jesus has to say. Most of you are students, and you think, I don't know, I'm not even hustling. I don't have money. Um, you do. <laughs> um, and Jesus calls you uh, to trust him with your money uh, and your possession. Uh, so all that we, as we get into our passage, we need to remember that when the Bible speaks about money, uh, it speaks about it as a good thing, a good gift from God, uh, but it also equally um, warns us about the danger of money. Money is a good thing, right? Amen. I remember growing up, um, my, my, my brother had this eczema. It was just like nasty. And the doctors, well, the clinic said, um, had prescribed this um, aqua cream, uh, and it wasn't working. And this dude, I still remember to this day. Sure. <laughs> Let's scratch that. <laughs> um, just him screaming that, please scratch me at night. Because we didn't have money to buy what I can afford for my son. Which is Eucerin. It's, it's simple. Um, God has blessed us to afford that thing. And because of money, we um, are able to... To do that, if you are at a black church, this is the time where you sing uh, or say hallelujah or something. <laughs> Don't just look at me. Uh, dying out here. Um, I was not prepared for that. Um, my point is that money is a good thing, um, but money is not the thing um, that should uh, govern us. In fact, the Bible is quite strong in warning us against the danger of money. So let's read that passage once again. Let's pick it up from verse 19 to 24. This is Jesus uh, speaking uh, at the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise um, the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Just as you work your way through um, the structure of that passage, notice that verse 19 to 21 speaks to us about two treasures, um, treasures in heaven and treasures on earth. And then verse 22 to 23 speaks about two kinds of people, and we're going to see what Jesus means, uh, people of the light and people of the dark. Verse 24 speaks about two bosses or two masters, either God money. So let's have a look at verse 19 to 21, the two kinds of treasures. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And now the word that is used there for do not lay up is a Present continuous tense. Uh, he says, uh, do, not, do not keep on laying up for yourselves treasures on earth. Uh, so it's an ongoing action. It's an ongoing process of you and I uh, placing uh, treasures in, in, um, on earth, or rather accumulating treasures on earth, but keep laying uh, treasures in heaven. Notice the things that are repeated there. One is that if you lay yourselves treasures on earth, Moth, rust, uh, and thieves break in and steal. Um, what, are, what is moth, rust? Um, it's basically moth if you grew up uh, in a black household. Um, they pack the clothes uh, from like long ago. They pack them in the wardrobe. And what happens is that this uh, thing that looks like a butterfly uh, comes into those clothes uh, and it, uh, it leaves some stuff there. And it destroys the, the fabric, right? What do your mothers do? <laughs> they buy mothballs, and all of your clothes smell like mothballs. Now, in the ancient world, they didn't have mothballs. Uh, and so for you to accumulate uh, clothes, uh, you'd be uh, in danger of uh, your clothes being, uh, well, basically falling apart. If you accumulated things that would rust, uh, they uh, would rust. Um, and they didn't have their Sabata security back in the day. Uh, so thieves would uh, come in um, and break. I think if Jesus were to be right here in Midrand, uh, he would just look at some of the things that you and I acquire. All of those things are good, um, but sometimes we forget uh, that those things fade away. Okay, You spend your last cent uh, buying an iPhone, um, but you can't really afford it. If you can afford it, buy it. Um, but who remembers the iPhone 4? How many of you remember how dope it was to have an iPhone 4? I wanted that phone. Who of you would want an iPhone 4 this evening? Uh, I guess none of us. I remember in high school, I, was, um, I knew a guy who had the Motorola V3, the Razor. <laughs> I'm like, and then he gave me this thing 
to take it to school. And it was the most awesome thing because I had the latest gadget, uh, the Motorola V3. I was the coolest kid then. Um, how many of you would want the Motorola 3? Uh, this thing's fate. Uh, and if you and I um, lay ourselves or rather lay or invest um, all our heart into those things, let me get this. Uh, this is going to make me look good. Uh, Jesus says that that thing passes away. Um, it fades away. So uh, there's a better place um, uh, to lay your treasures, and that is uh, in heaven. Amen. We're going to discover what Jesus actually means uh, by that, because uh, that's one of those statements that someone says, um, oh, okay, lay, lay your treasures up in heaven. But what does it actually look like uh, for you on a Monday morning? Have a look at verse 21. Uh, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says, you want to know what your heart loves the most? Well, look at where uh, you invest all of your money. Uh, there's this app called 22.7. Uh, do you guys know it? Uh, this app, you can link it to your bank account. And then what it does uh, for people like me who don't like uh, working through budgets, it breaks down the stuff uh, that you, um, your budget for you. Uh, so it lays it out, and it tells you where you spend your money. I challenge you this week, um, if Jesus says to you, um, just figure out where your heart is. Uh, download that app. Uh, sync it to your bank account. I think it is safe. Um, <laughs> I think it's sponsored by Sanlam, so it should be safe. Um, and just see where you spend your money. That will reveal to you, uh, what you where your treasure is. That will reveal to you where your heart is. Now let's jump over to verse 24. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, no one can serve two masters. So this is the two masters. For either he will, and notice the language that Jesus uses here, he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Why would you have to put it so strong, Jesus? Why can't you just say um, you can be a Christian and kind of love uh, money a bit, um, kind of spend and spoil yourself a bit, kind of binge shop uh, when you're depressed. Why do you have to say uh, that you either love Jesus, you love me, um, or you love money? Well, that's the contrast that we, we see here. Uh, Jesus used this language of love and devotion, this language of worship um, to describe uh, how you and I are attached uh, to our stuff. Um, that is who we, who we are. And I guess for me, um, I was thinking about this. I have a lot of village illustrations, right? Uh, but that's because that's my world, right? Uh, that's the world I grew up in. And when uh, God was giving people pastors, he gave you a village pastor. Uh, perhaps he was trying to teach you something. But anyway, in the village, um, in the Setswana culture, obviously it was structured around, there was no money back in the day. Um, it was structured around the cow. The cow was uh, the sign of uh, a man's world. In fact, there is a saying that a man's beauty, um, um, how do you translate that? A man's beauty is found in his cows. Uh, so that's where date our family problems started. Uh, they would ask you what car do you drive. Well, back in the day, you didn't have a car. Um, how many cars uh, do, you, do you have? Listen to a poem about the cow. This is to culture you. It says, 
just translate that for you. Um, I don't know what Sapalitoto is. Um, but Mudimongkometi is basically the God with a wet nose. If you don't have this God, um, you're going to lose sleep. If you have this God, you will still lose sleep. That is the cow. Komu mudimo wamohai mudimo jilenre lin nangwana utanja. This domestic God, uh, this poem says, uh, this God who swallowed up my father, and this God who is going to swallow me as well. Um, that is what our culture says um, about the cow, the commodity of possession in the Tswana language. Now, how savage is the Tswana people? I mean, if they can just be enlightened and come to modernity, uh, surely they will not worship things like cows. If they were ever to come to Midrand, uh, surely we don't worship our stuff. Or do we? I think Jesus would stare us in the face and say uh, that, yes, uh, sometimes I love your hustle, uh, but sometimes your hustle uh, is hustling you. Amen. Now, obviously, the question is, um, how then do we serve God? How do we lay up uh, for ourselves treasures in heaven? What does it even look like? And I think that weird middle section gives us a picture of what Jesus is talking about. And in fact, this verse um, is divided. We divided it up into two uh, because Jesus applies it. And we're going to see that next week from verses 25 uh, onwards. But what does it mean to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? I think verse 22 uh, to 23 helps us. Um, Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What in the world is Jesus saying? What is he saying there? Um, that's a weird saying, but he was using a well-known idiom uh, back in the day. Um, uh, and Proverbs, um, if you read the, the rest of the Bible, this whole idea of evil eye and good eye, um, if you read the scriptures, uh, it will give you a picture as to what Jesus was saying. Proverbs 28, verse 22. I'm going to read it in the King James, New King James Version. The reason why I do that is because the New King James tries to stick um, to the original language. So it tries as much as it can to, to translate things as they were said. This is what Proverbs 28, verse 22 says. A man with an evil eye hastens after riches, goes after riches, and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. Okay, a man with an evil eye, that's an idiom. I hope you're slowly getting a clue of what that means. Deuteronomy verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 9, um, God tells the nation of Israel that they ought to look out for one another. Uh, so they ought to lend and borrow from each other. But there came a year called the year of um, Jubilee where all debts would be forgiven. Now imagine that, now this is not like somebody loans money and then you wait 50 years and that debt is cancelled. No. If next year was the 50th year, if someone borrowed money, money from you, uh, that debt would be cancelled the following year. What would your heart be at that point? 
no, let me just wait for him uh, next year. I'll borrow him next year. Uh, and God says to the nation, beware lest you be wicked and think, uh, uh, and think in your heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother and give him nothing. And he cried out to the Lord against you, and became sin, it became sin among you. Are you slowly getting the picture of this idea of an evil, evil eye? Uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 15, Jesus tells a story uh, of um, a man who went out to hire guys. Uh, he came to one at nine o'clock and said, I'll give you a hundred rand. And then another one at one o'clock, I'll give you a hundred rand. And then another one at three o'clock, I'll give you a hundred rand. At the end of the day, they all got hundred rand. And the other ones uh, complained. And this is what Jesus is saying uh, in verse, Matthew 20, verse 15. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? Another, I think the ESV says, or do you begrudge my generosity? Proverbs 22 has a positive spin on this. He says, he who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. By now you would have figured out. When he talks about evil eye and good eye, it's basically talking about generosity. Uh, In the Hebrew culture, when they ask for um, alms, um, when they ask for donations, they say, give with a good eye. So that's an equivalent of us saying, give with an open hand. A tight fist means what? You are stingy. An open hand uh, means uh, that you are generous. Uh, And so Jesus says to uh, these people uh, that they, when they are generous, uh, it brings so much light into this world. It brings so much direction and meaning to their lives. And when they are tight-fisted, that brings about uh, darkness. That is the opposite of what his kingdom is about. Uh, So for us to lay for ourselves treasures in heaven, it is to be generous. Be generous with the stuff that you owe. Is Jesus against your hustle? No. But use your hustle for the sake of others. Use the possession uh, that you gain uh, for the sake of others. Uh, And if you fail to do so, you fall into the trap uh, of materialism. Uh, Materialism blinds us uh, from living lives uh, that, were, that God has intended for us um, to live. Now here's an alert uh, for another village illustration. Um, as boys, one of the things that we uh, used to love was to hunt for birds. Um, it was a hobby, but it was also lunch uh, for us. Uh, so we'd go out there. If you've ever hunted birds, what you do is that you take an old rim of a bicycle, put a net over it, you stick... Um, a piece of string on, uh, on a stick, you hold up that uh, rim, and then you chuck grain a- a- around the, uh, where the trap is, and then the birds uh, slowly uh, come through, uh, and then uh, obviously in hiding, you pull it, um, and then boom, you've trapped those birds, uh, and then lunch is served. Um, we used to trap um, just about everything. The elders used to trap uh, antelopes and guinea fowls, uh, those were nice. Uh, but one, one trap that we never did was the monkey trap. Um, I don't know if you've ever come across it. If you happen to be on YouTube th- uh, this week and you're going down the rabbit hole, Google monkey, monkey trap. It is the most genius thing ever. Uh, so this, there's many ways to trap a monkey. We wouldn't trap it in the Northwest because they'd accuse you of witchcraft. Um, <laughs> so... Anyway, 
um, this video was uh, from India, um, and they were using a coconut. So this is how you trap a monkey. You drill a small hole into that coconut, um, and then you place some seeds in there, or some food, um, or, or some form of uh, goodie. And then the monkey comes through. You make the hole just big enough for the open hand of the monkey uh, to go in. And then once the monkey grabs hold of uh, those uh, fruit inside, um, it cannot um, remove its hand. Um, and the harder it pulls, the more difficult it is. Um, and what's more difficult is that uh, as the hunter comes closer to it, the monkey tries to pull harder, but it's holding on um, to this uh, to this. Uh, to the seeds. It panics, but it makes uh, the, the situation even more um, intense. You see, the monkey probably thinks that it's, um, it's holding on to this thing, uh, but the reality is that these things are holding on uh, to this monkey. Um, now, I know H&M call people monkeys, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm not in any way calling us monkeys, but there are things in our lives that we're holding on to, isn't it? Uh, very often in our lives, we think that we possess our possessions, uh, but our possessions are possessing us. Amen, Zalwani. Uh, we think that we have our stuff, but our stuff has us. Um, we don't see that we're holding on to stuff, um, and it's a trap. And now, here's the thing, midrand guy, midrand girl, what are you holding on to? What is the thing that you're holding on to? Uh, perhaps you are sitting here this evening, you married. Um, your marriage is just falling apart. Um, you're out there hustling uh, to, I guess, get a better uh, life for your wife. Um, but at the same time, you, um, you're ignoring her. Uh, she has lost all the respect for you. Uh, your marriage is falling um, apart. And the only power that you have uh, is your money. And you're trying to use that um, to control her. You're just holding on to that stuff. You're holding on to that dream of yours. Let me just hustle and provide uh, a better house uh, for my family. It's a trap, and, and that's a trap you need to let go of uh, and let Jesus uh, be your master. Perhaps you listening in uh, on the website. Um, your son hates you, your teenage son, um, because you are out there trying to put a roof over his head, um, not knowing that it doesn't have to be a roof um, at Blue Hills Country Estate. All that he ever wanted was to be around you. And you're holding on to that hustle. You're holding on to accumulating more and more possessions. Uh, and that uh, is just determining the pace um, of your life. Perhaps you're sitting here this evening, young adult. Uh, you haven't been involved with a life group for, I don't know, five, six years. And you're out here hustling. You're just out here hustling. Um, but you, um, sooner or later... Jesus would warn you that that pursuit of wealth can lead you away uh, from a love of Jesus. I'm not trying to guilt trip us, but I'm trying to love you um, and pastor you. Chapter one, um, chapter 6, verse 10 of 1 Timothy says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Sometimes you read that and you say, I'm going to be the exception. I'm going to be different. Um, but as pastors, we see um, this trap. We see it in high definition. Um, young men and women committed to Jesus, drifting away because of the love of money, holding on to things. Um, I don't know what it is 
that you are holding on to. But Jesus would say to you, Twada, get away from that. Let go of that thing that you are holding on to. That thing uh, should not become your master. It doesn't make for a good master. In fact, I would make for uh, a good master. This is what Jesus would say to us uh, this evening. I should be the master of your life. And here's why Jesus um, is a good master for your life. Because Jesus had it all. Um, but he gave it all for you and for me. Um, Jesus gave his very life for us. I, I like how one pastor put it. He says he gave away all of his treasure to make you his treasure. That is the Lord who demands to be master um, over your life. He had all the riches of heaven, all the comfort, chilling there for all of eternity with God the Father. And he chose to come into a world um, full of evil, a world full of pain, a world where he would be tempted. In Matthew chapter 1, he's born of a virgin, uh, and he goes to live a perfect life. Uh, but as you read the story in verse 27, uh, he dies a death of an imperfect man, a death on a cross. He gives his life for us, um, the death that you and I deserve. Jesus died um, that death. Um, and through the, that death, he brings us into a relationship uh, with God. That is what the cross achieves for us. But the cross also achieves for us a better way of being human because we can look at this, our creator, and say, man, if this is what my master does, if he's the one who caused the shots in my life, that my life should be filled with myself giving my, um, uh, myself away. Amen. But this Jesus, as you continue to read, did not remain dead. Uh, in, verse, in chapter 28 of Matthew's, um, Matthew, he comes back to life, which is something mind-blowing. Someone who was dead, died for our sins, did not remain dead, but he came back to life, uh, and he came to inaugurate the kingdom of God. He came to teach us uh, something that you and I should remember as we go on hustling, uh, that this life is not all there is. This life is not um, all there is. So we don't have to invest all of it uh, here. We don't have to live like, man, let's make the most out of it. Why? Because Jesus came back to life. And Jesus promises that if you trust in him, he will also raise you. Now, doesn't that define and redefine your hustle? Man, I want to do uh, and go out there and just hustle. I want to go out there and be the best at my job and serve him wherever uh, I am. But not for my own sake. Um, but for the sake of his kingdom. So in case you wandered off, this is the summary of uh, what we would say this evening, that Jesus makes a better master than money because through his sacrificial death, through his sacrifice and his generous life, uh, he shifts our, um, our focus on our hustle. And because of his resurrection, he gives, he gives purpose and meaning um, to our hustle. Amen. So as you go out um, into this week, um, perhaps you should search your own heart um, to ask yourself, what is it um, that I'm holding on to? What is it um, that, is, that I think I have? What is it that I'm pursuing? What sets the tone for my life right here in Midrand? And if that thing is not Jesus, um, he's calling you um, to repentance. Now that can be a first step as you come to know Jesus, um, when you say, I surrender, I didn't realize that I was the God of me. 
but I don't want to rule myself no more. That's the first step. But also, if, you, if you've taken that step, if you are a Christian, that's a continual step. Money is always going to try to draw your heart um, to it. Money is always going to try and say, worship me, serve me. And it makes a terrible master. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for Christ. We thank you that he brings us into a relationship with you. We, pray, we thank you that he gives us um, a new way to be human, um, a transformed life, a life of uh, sacrifice, a life of bearing our cross. And I, I do pray, Father, that when it comes to our possessions, uh, we would submit to him as king and take up our cross and follow him. Help us uh, in this coming week to think of ways um, where we can train our hearts um, to be open, uh, open-handed. Father, we realize that we can't do it uh, of ourselves, that it requires power from you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, uh, to put to death our sin and our desire for more stuff uh, and free us uh, to enjoy your stuff uh, and to be a blessing to others. Uh, So I pray uh, as we go into this week, um, as we uh, look at our lives, I pray, Father, uh, that you challenge us to be different Uh, from people who do not know you, uh, that we would live such sacrificial lives, uh, such radical lives of generosity, uh, that more people would be drawn to you. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.